0: I'm Jamie O'Kane, CPA, Small Business Advanced Tax Planning and Compliance Extraordinaire. And this is the Abundant Beans Podcast, the podcast that takes my love for learning what makes people tick while digging into the good, bad, and ugly of small business ownership. We strive to give you the insight that only those in the trenches of being and working with entrepreneurs can provide. Today on the podcast, we have Philip Richmond, G-D-M-C-A-P-P-C-P-P-C-C-C-F-P-C-R-T. Holy cow.
1: <laughs> a, B, C, D.
0: Yeah, that's B-F-G. a lot of letters, my friend. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's a lot. It's a bit extra, like myself.
0: I know. I appreciate it. Um, I am not going to read all the things you do because it's literally, guys, it's like a lot of par- paragraphs. It's a word salad. So- uh, Dr. Richmond is a published writer, veterinary workplace well-being consultant, speaker, and frequent veterinary podcast guest. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. Um, he held certifications in the fields of applied positive psychology, positive psychology consulting, resilience training, workplace well-being, and team culture. Welcome. Thank you the for podcast. having me. Um, your business is, where I can't find it flourishing phoenix
1: flourishing phoenix is one, one of the, one of the one,
0: one of the many. my
1: day, yeah my day my day job is still a medical director at a small animal hospital
0: yes and then yes. you're on a bunch of committees and things and i am i i i, I, um, I appreciate you because i'm the same person i was <laughs> 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 like oh my god if i listed all the things that i do in the right, masterminds. Just, and yeah um so w- welcome. I'm so excited to have you finally. Um, you. So we're going to kind of start at the beginning and then um, kind of talk about, we already kind of started talking about stuff and we'll, yeah, uh, we did. we'll, we'll let Steven do the, do his magic and splice, do, whatever. Yeah. He'll figure it out. Um, so first question first though, what was your first job? I've
1: worked in the kennel at a animal hospital.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. People grew up with animals like did you grow up on a farm or, okay no, that's pretty, uh, pretty
1: common yeah I mean yeah we uh yeah we had I had ducks which oh, I love ducks but I mean we had dogs you know we had dogs cats um and then we had we had ducks and then we had we had horses but we didn't have a lot of money like we were like the kind of the redheaded stepchildren like when we did stuff like I had like you know patched up boots and stuff and god bless my parents for putting any resources together to let me do that. You know, I didn't I didn't realize until now like how how expensive that stuff was, but that's just great you know, I was grateful to have the exposure that I did
0: okay. and
1: just love it. I mean, who very few veterinarians, you know, don't love animals. I mean, I think we all
0: share that. So yes, yeah. and you also have a bevy of current animals. I see that one. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all, if you're listening to this, you have to hop on the video because there is a dog like back in the couch <clears throat> behind Phil, and he's just, just like she's just like asleep, yeah. and all you can really see is her like her feet and her nose.
1: <laughs> yeah. Nose, feet,
0: feet. Yeah. So <laughs> hop over to YouTube and check it out because she's adorable. What's her name? <laughs> Piper. Piper. I know we were talking. I, I kind of saw something move and I was like, oh, I back that.
1: It's t- yeah. I mean, yeah, there's an Australian shepherd over there. You there's guys have cats like
0: turtles and,
1: yeah, we have turtles, tortoise. We have a, we just got a, uh, what is it? Bearded dragon. We got two snakes. My wife, so so my wife's a veterinarian too, which is why I should uh, have prefaced like, that before yeah, no, I think like that call, calls the county money. on us for having too many animals. <clears throat> but um pretty sure we're we're over the limit. But anyway. Um <laughs> but mm-hmm. so for our 10th wedding anniversary, I, I'm totally like I have a client that works at a jewelry store. I was like, I'm gonna get her a new a new band. She wanted like diamonds all the way around. She had mentioned it one time, Mm -hmm. and I was like, I had it all set up. And she she's like, No, I want to go to Repticon. And we (laughs) we dropped coin on like this ball python, and I was like, I mean, okay, I wasn't expecting that.
0: No, I love that. Yeah, we just we just had our 18th anniversary. Oh, congratulations! Um, And we I should tell
1: you, kind of cool cool fact: Uh Josh Weisman. Your friend, Josh, we Josh. we got married same day, exact same day, same date. <laughs> That's
0: hilarious. Yeah. I Funny.
1: That. Anyway. Yeah. Um, you were saying about your, uh, Yeah, so we just wedding. did our
0: 18 year anniversary, um, and we went ax throwing.
1: But uh, Wonderful.
0: It was awesome. <laughs> I won. It was great. Of course. It was great fun. Solid. <laughs> it was a lot of fun and I can't wait yeah. to go with that that's <laughs> just that's how we are it's just like why can we yeah. do that's like new and fun and competitive. we
1: uh they they do this thing for um uh, like it's this haunted house that's out in the middle mm-hmm. of the woods and it's just mm-hmm. oh they man they do it up over here it's mm-hmm. uh scream again and they have axe throwing like we go every year and what
0: well, this I, is the same this the, is so funny because it's like it's like during Halloween or whatever, it's yeah, like yeah. a, it's like a scare place. It's a haunted house situation. And I was like, interesting. I'm not a haunted house, scary person. So oh. like I did, like I walked in and I was like, Oh, this is that haunted house oh. place. And like, you have to go in to go to the bathroom. And like everything's draped and like all this yeah. stuff. I'm like, this mm-hmm. is creepy AF, but um, I'm going to go through access. They have an outside and an inside. Mm. Um, and I had drinks and stuff. It was really fun. They had a great times. Awesome. So, give us the rundown on your career journey.
1: Oh, uh, so I had kind of a circuitous route <coughs> to uh, to vet school. So, I went, jeez. Um, so, I went to uh, University of Florida my freshman year for undergrad. Had an ROTC scholarship. Gotten a fraternity. Uh, lost my ROTC scholarship, um, didn't Mm -hmm. go to class a lot. Mm -hmm. And so moved back home, lived at home, had to get like two, two or three jobs and, and then uh, pay for community college because my parents did one, my parents just didn't have financial resources. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I did that. um, And then my, my father passed away when I was 20. So it was, I, it was really challenging um, Mm -hmm. for me and, uh, so I took off, I was off school for, for a few years, um, got my personal trainer certification, did that. And then I was like, I just like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this uh, for the rest of my life. <clears throat> and so I went back to school and I kind of, I kind of was a little worried. Like my brain was broken and I took a, took a psychology general psychology class and did really well. And so then I got, got serious about school and, then uh, went, went to University of Florida for vet school, got a, uh, got my first job. Um, and I should say, so this, I, I do share this. So, mm-hmm. you know, the reason why I'm, you know, active in a lot of the things that I am. So in 2008, so I was two years out of school, a year and a half out of school. I, uh, I burned out one mm-hmm. burned out severely um, had an alcohol and substance use disorder. It was my mm-hmm. only coping mechanism, uh, mm-hmm. for that. One of the main reasons why I had that, and I like to share this because of the stigma that's associated with it is mm-hmm. adverse childhood experiences. Um, mm-hmm. so if we have some of those things, like, mm-hmm. you know, have you ever had a, that, you know, my, my father had, uh, alcohol, he was an alcoholic mm-hmm. and also, uh, nice. had a bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. That then just all the things that are associated with that. If you have mm-hmm. four out of 10 of these uh, ACEs, these adverse childhood experiences, mm-hmm. you're seven seven to 10 times more likely to have a use disorder mm-hmm. and 30, 30 times more likely to attempt suicide. Um, I had not that it's by no means like a competition or anything like that, but I had six six out of 10 mm-hmm. of these. So it was, you know, when I was a kid, like I was already... Set to to have that. So, with how the genetic, use, with yeah, genetics one, <laughs> then experience. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with the with the experiences, it I it, it's challenging for people that have use disorders. And I mm-hmm. also say this one more stat: there was a, a addictionologist that was interviewed a, a few years ago. He said out of the twelve hundred um, people with use disorders that he had treated, mm-hmm. um, eleven 1, hundred. Uh, had three or more ACEs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we see people that have use disorders, when we see, see that, cause the behavior is challenging for us. It's like, why are they doing that? Mm-hmm. If we can have some empathy and realize that those, those people before they had a say in anything, you know, during childhood were really, mm-hmm. you know, really uh, hurt. So.
0: No, I think it's important cool. to talk about those things because those experiences, you know, you mm-hmm. know, and and, gen- and also genetically, I think I've shared, I'm ADHD, we just found mm-hmm. out my husband Me is, too. my daughter is, like, yep. you know, and we know that there's, a, you know, the more I learn about ADHD, the more I learn about, like, the coping mechanisms and mm-hmm. the masking and the genetics and, yep. like, all of this stuff, which I'm sure, you know, like, like I said, like, I have family members that have had, you know, addiction issues. And mm-hmm. they're the ones I also, like, I think all of us are probably ADHD. Yeah. Right. And this, like, yeah. this is my genetic way that people were like handled it. Right. Yeah. Or like genetically, like a lot of those things go right. Together. Or they, yeah. you know, an experience go together.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. And so my mom probably like her and I have really talked about it like over mm-hmm. the past, like five or 10 years. And she told, you know, absolutely, you know, grew up same, same thing. And mm-hmm. so, That's, that was another coping mechanism. I know for me was just to kind of like, it kind of slowed my brain down Mm -hmm. a little bit. And um, so anyhow, but. I think it's important to,
0: it's it's important to like to share all those things because this is like stuff we don't talk about enough, but also like, if anything, I think one of the biggest impacts, like from from the pandemic is a lot of people have have sought out therapy. I know I did. You know, I've never, you know, I've never really been to therapy before. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't really think I needed it. You know, like I've always believed in therapy, but it just wasn't something that like I thought I needed. Like I was coping in other Mm. ways, right? I was exercising. I was doing all those other things, but just got to the point where those things weren't helping. (laughs) Right. And I think that's where it's just like, (laughs) it's important to talk about these things and they stigmatize these things things because like everybody should be in therapy. Yeah. Right. We should all have like. I was telling my husband we should all have this neutral third party that we can talk to you about stuff.
1: hmm Yeah, that's going to tell us, you know, is mm-hmm. is going to reframe things for us and guide us through that. Yeah, absolutely. Like I that. Yep. And um, mm-hmm. so for me, just kind of mm-hmm. closing my eyes and just kind of resetting where
0: where was <laughs> giving that? me the career yeah. journey. Yeah.
1: Yeah, is two thousand eight. Um, I you know, I am really at, like, I'm in, in trouble, like mm-hmm. my, I'm just barely hanging on. Um, and I'm not seeing that over the top. Like I had a, had mm-hmm. a uh, Ruger nine millimeter next to my bed. And, you know, if A, B or C happened, I had mm-hmm. a plan in place and mm-hmm. I was just really, really struggling.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank God,
1: my, my colleagues at work, Um, one of my colleagues, <coughs> the, one of the veterinarians I worked with was, was the president of the, Florida board of veterinary medicine, and she knew where to get me help. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's oftentimes what happens is we see colleagues or we see friends going down that. And then we think if we try to get them help, we're going to hurt them or they're going to, it's going to affect their career, anything like that. And these are, you know, it's a, it's a brain disease you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a mental illness. And so all we're doing is getting that person the help they need. So anyhow, I go into a treatment, treatment facility. So I was in in, inpatient treatment for three months and really learned how to like, it gave me the tools to really learn how to live life again. And also I was in 12, you know, and still am in 12 step Mm -hmm. recovery, long-term recovery. So learned a lot of these tools um, in 12 step recovery, kind of how to, how to sidestep, you know, my thinking, Mm -hmm. um, you know, trying to be of service to other people, you know, learn, you know, more gratitude and, and kind of a realistic optimism, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just reframing things. And it really helped me learn how to love veterinary medicine again. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to about, you know, three or four years ago, um, I had the opportunity to be the chair or start the FEMA. uh, the Florida Veterinary Medical Association Professional mm-hmm. Well-Being Committee, and I was like, "Oh, I'm just like, I'm just some, like, I'm a, you know, drunk that you know mm-hmm. got sober and learned a lot of tools." Yeah, I figured to, some and stuff and out I for like, myself. So. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, "I can't, I, I can't really share specifically these things," and mm-hmm. so I ended up finding out about resilience. Or I got my compassion fatigue certification at the end of compassion fatigue certification, it talked about the treatment for that as resilience training. And I learned about resilience training and I was like, this is exactly what I learned in 12 step recovery. It's just evident, you know, more Mm -hmm. specifically evidence-based stuff. So I got very deep into applied positive psychology, resilience training, and that's where my lived experience really matched then matched up, you know, the stuff that I knew that worked because I had seen it work with so many other people in recovery um then learned you know why why it worked. Um and so just became very passionate about hand, trying to hand those then those learned skills um off to our colleagues. I love so it. I think I I think I got there.
0: I think you did. Yeah. <laughs> and you answered you answered my next question, which is what was the catalyst um for starting flourishing Phoenix?
1: Yeah. And that was sort of it. It was my so my I will say like, you know, my, my vision or my, my, what, what I'm doing this is I really just want to be able to get this message out. And mm-hmm. it just ended up some of the opportunities that were there. I just mm-hmm. needed to kind of form something. So I did, but it's yeah. just really trying to get, get this information to as many you know veterinary professionals as, as possible. And then being in a position to implement that, you know, on a state level in Florida, um, you know, helping with, you know, some of the movements to do that at the university level and just trying to trying to get together with all the other uh, veterinary professionals and mental health professionals, just trying to lift up the profession.
0: I love it. I love it so yeah. much. Um, I'm highly involved on my end over here on the accounting side. <laughs> awesome. <Yeah. laughs> you know, Let's build better businesses. Let's not mm-hmm. do this. Let's let me, you know, let's, let's build businesses that don't aren't trying to kill us. Right. right. Um, it's always interesting to me that um, professionals are really good at building businesses that will drown them, mm-hmm. you know, because we're just really good at what yeah. we do. Um, and the models that we have or the models that we've worked in aren't, don't work anymore and aren't sustainable. <laughs> and, you know, we can't just be cool with dying at our desk like our predecessors did. Yeah. So that's not not going to yeah. happen.
1: And what's wonderful is we're, I think our, you know, our generation, you know, like Mm -hmm. that Gen X, like we're the transition Mm -hmm. where we still have some of that work ethic, but then still set, you know, it has got to be a better way to Mm -hmm. do this. And then the, the, um, generation after us are very open to that's what that that's where I see the hope is these conversations that were, were, you know, a little uncomfortable for us to have Mm -hmm. are De, you know, totally open with, with um, the new generation of veterinarians yeah. coming up. And that's where, that's where the key is going to be, is that there, mm-hmm. that there's a way to bring those two things together, mm-hmm. I think. And, and just, you know, find a better way. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and yeah. things have to change in both industries. Otherwise right. there won't be anybody mm-hmm. to bring up. <laughs>
1: yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah, it's, just uns- it's just unsustainable. Okay. So,
0: yeah. So, um, I mean, I always just like this question: What are the biggest challenges that the veterinary industry is facing today?
1: Hmm, that's a that's a good. I mean, there are there's certainly a number mm-hmm. of them. I would mm-hmm. say the ones that I I can speak to um, mm-hmm. is you know is the education uh, is putting well being education making that as important as diagnosing you know, heart mm-hmm. disease or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, learning how to, you know, properly co a mm-hmm. fracture, or, you know, mm-hmm. any of those things, like those skills have to be there kind of got there in professional development, you know, where it was communication and that sort of thing. What I would say is like, if we are very emotionally aware, and if we have a high degree of emotional intelligence and we have some of these other skills of resiliency, the mm-hmm. communication almost kind of goes along with that. Yeah. Is that it's almost, you know, side, you know, side benefit that. Mm -hmm. So it's learning, you know, learning to do that and then just having systems in place that make, make us a little bit more uh, agile, uh, you know, as far Mm -hmm. as not trying to, you know, just jam out as much production, you know, out of, uh, you know, out of every, every veterinarian as possible. Right. And that there is a way, there is a way to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's
0: just, we're going to have to, have to do that and, and find the way. So, yeah. I think, sure. you know, from what I'm, what I'm understanding is, well, I mean, I understand suicide's a huge issue. Yeah. Right. Veterinarians <laughs> and dentists have the highest mm-hmm. rates of suicide. Yes. Right. Um, on this end, um, accountants just die at their desks. Yeah. <laughs> generally like, you know, kill ourselves. We just, you know, drive yeah. um, and burnout. Mm-hmm. And the number, I mean, I just, you know, from what I, you know, what I hear from my clients and other people in the industry is that um, I think the number of pets per household like doubled this last year because everybody like during the pandemic went and got yeah. animals.
1: <clears throat> yeah. It's interesting. I mean, so there was uh, you know, there was a study that um, Matt Sloyd just came out with, mm-hmm. um, you know, from the AVMA, it was kind of interesting. So they, if, if I remember correctly, they, I think they might've just looked at shelter adoptions and Mm -hmm. that those numbers maybe didn't line up, but, but that they didn't look, you know, the pandemic puppies, you know, I, I think subjectively, I feel like we, we all saw some of that. Um, but it's also the other thing, you know, and this is what I was talking to our, our mutual friend, Josh about Mm -hmm. is our, our capacity to do the job Decreased because of the anxiety, you know, uh, all the underlying other things. We just, we, we just emotionally, physically, spiritually, just did not have the extra capacity Mm -hmm. to perform that job. And anything laid on top of that, it, it was just incredibly challenging. Um, And so that too is one of those things: is we cannot, you know, I jokingly talk about a, you know, way back, there was a movie called, you know, hunt for red October. And, you know, these Russians were in there and just, put it at 110% on the reactor. And it's like, we can't run that. And that's yeah. all we've been doing. And mm-hmm. it's like, you can't, that works until it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that unfortunately is, is, you know, compassion, fatigue, secondary traumatic stress and all of mm-hmm. this is that it just, you know, we jam it down until. Oh. Just can't are. can't do it anymore. And so with with the burnout, you know there's that term gets thrown around a lot and mm-hmm. burnout really what you know what it is is it's an you know it's an excess of demand versus our capacity to do that. Now, mm-hmm. our capacity can be changed with tools mm-hmm. potentially, you know mm-hmm. with a, you know resilience training and that sort of thing. We can up our capacity. It's not really exactly our goal Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we don't want to eke out, you know, 10% more out of, you know, somebody who's just getting slammed. Mm -hmm. That's not, that's not what we're trying to do with resilience training, but it's also, it is, it is not solely an individual Mm -hmm. issue. It is almost more a systemic, you know, issue. Mm -hmm. And if you have one person in your team that's burned out, you know, Mm -hmm. if we, if we do what's called a pro QOL, uh, the professional quality of life scale. That's the one that we use in our clinic. If you've got one person that's a burnout, you can, you're pretty much guaranteed, uh, you know, over half of your staff is there too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So
0: yeah, it's Not hard. Long, yeah. Um, so, I mean, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I just think the stress of the pandemic, a lot of people have kids and yeah. I think I saw something the other day. It's like, if you have Family, you know friends and family with kids like just check out on them like this this is a whole nother layer yeah. right especially with adultery virus um and then in our profession we had six different sets of legislation come down in the last mm-hmm. year and a half so not only yeah. are we like trying to take care of our clients trying to manage all of that and like because we're all helpers and also generally very compassionate. You know, yeah. we're worried about our clients. We're worried about their longevity. Right. We're worried about their sustainability. And then every time we turn around, we have to learn something new. I yeah. I was a you know, PPP expert. I'm not an ERC expert, but like, there's like a bajillion things that we need to right. know. And every time I turn around, stuff has changed yeah. on us. Something else. Right. And it is just like, I understand this pylon and I'm watching the same thing happen in my profession. And it's just like, we're coming up on deadlines right now. And people are just like, what, how, (laughs) like it hasn't stopped, you know, like many of us have not had a vacation Um, because we can't, we can't stop because there's so much to do still. And we can't, again, like we can't give of an empty, of an empty place, but it's just so hard to like to run these businesses where you've worked on volume. Yeah. We just don't have the capacity to do that. Yeah.
1: Anymore. And that's, there's this, and that very similar in, in veterinary mm-hmm. medicine, you know, as well. And so, you know, one of the things that comes to mind when you say that, you know, is that we, you know, we can't do that. You know, mm-hmm. so we, we can't. And that's, that's where, you know, like in veterinary medicine, we're, you know, to the point where we are having to do things that we never thought we would ever do, that mm-hmm. we're turning, turning a patient away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, and the, the difficult thing is, is it's not, you know, before it, it wasn't, I want to say it, 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 was doable, mm-hmm. but everybody else is in the same boat. And so it's like, if, if, if we, if we make one decision to send a, a patient somewhere else, that other clinic is in the same boat that we are, mm-hmm. you know, we're all swimming in the same same C. And it's like, you know, and seeing that too, like, I mean, we try to be very judicious about, uh, you know, or very cognizant about, you know, transferring stuff to the, you know, to, mm-hmm. to like our big specialty clinic and everything. Cause they're, I mean, they're getting it from everybody, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just try anyhow. What, so what I'm getting at is that we're, we have to, we're having to find different ways to deliver, still deliver care. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, you know, some of the telemedicine and some of the other things and just what does it get down to is communication, though, is that clients mm-hmm. see that, you know, they're like, I, they're used to like, I want to come in right now, you mm-hmm. know, with my pet. And we honor where they're coming from, but then give them some other solutions that, you know, we can try. And we, I mean, we can, I don't know, in accounting, you know, that that you can. you know, like give them an app or something to take care of something before.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: uh, It just, (laughs) but, but just the having to broaden our scope Mm -hmm. as to other, other options to deliver care, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just, and that's, that's where we're at. And it's really out of survival, you know, is Mm -hmm. that we've reached, you know, we've reached that point where we just, it's difficult. Well, we're doing better at it, I would say like our particular practice for like mm-hmm. maybe the past four months. Mm-hmm. Um, but up until then it was, I mean, it was hard. Like mm-hmm. we I were think that's, really,
0: you know, under that pressure though, right? We have to we mm-hmm. have to adopt things that maybe weren't we were like almost ready to adopt or not sure. Yeah. Um I just did a whole presentation on boundaries in a virtual firm the other day. Mm-hmm. Because we have so many firms that have that are going or have gone virtual this last year yeah, um, out yeah. of necessity or because, right. you know, well, mostly out of necessity, or maybe they were almost ready to do that or whatever. Um, but I always feel like virtual has less boundaries sometimes. Um, and so I was, you know, I went through like, how do you create boundaries in a virtual firm? Because you don't have time yeah. boundaries, you don't have space boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're adopting these technologies, how are we, you know, how are we making sure that it, they fit into what we want long-term.
1: Um, and I was actually
0: thinking about this because in veterinary, like we do have telemedicine it just hasn't been adopted yet. Um, and yeah. I said at the beginning of the pandemic, I looked at my husband and I'm like, I'm watching all these firms, you know, kind of mid, mid-level adopt stuff that I early adopted, right? Mm-hmm. But it's the same for veterinary because you've hit capacity. But I also think it creates opportunity, right? There's plenty of people who need to be home, with there's probably plenty of DVMs who need to be home with their kids who can do some telemedicine during the day. Yeah. Right. So there's now all these options of care or ways to get, to create capacity that really aren't mm-hmm. on the practice. Right. Yeah. You could say, Hey, check out this telemedicine <coughs> option, you know, and then, you know, we, maybe we'll get you in, you know, maybe you can do your initial appointment there and then, right. you know, we'll know what to do on the back end. So everything's way more efficient for yeah. everybody. Right.
1: And it's, and it's one of those things. So not to get into, cause there, there are mm-hmm. certainly arguments on either either side about, mm-hmm. you know, how extensive, I guess, to Mm -hmm. to implement telemedicine. But Mm -hmm. most of us have been, we've all been doing it. You know, that's the, is we weren't weren't calling it that, but, Mm -hmm. you know, we were caught, you know, Oh, so-and-so has, you know, has diarrhea, like, and it's like, you know, we vomit, you know, tech would triage it on the phone, Mm -hmm. have them pick up, you know, this, this probiotic, um, Mm -hmm. you know, chicken and rice for, you know a, a couple of days if you know if we worsen then then make an appointment mm-hmm. that's telling I mean that's still technically t- you know telemedicine we're mm-hmm. just you know we're we're able to to do some of those things where we're where we're triaging and now what we've done is tried to get out of the 1990s and actually you know utilize technology a little bit more so we mm-hmm. personally i mean not to pitch it one way or another but I do love pet desk mm-hmm. um you know that that's been a pretty big game changer for us to take, you know, we, we told our staff any changes that we were going to make during the pandemic were solely to take work away from them. Like mm-hmm. was so anything we were going to implement was to make their lives better. Cause we had gone curbside, you know, which was mm-hmm. challenging enough, but it's like, we, we made this, this, mm-hmm. you know, agreement with the staff that anything that we, we do, mm-hmm is going to be to that was, is the sole reason main reason for us doing that is to make life easier for you. And, and
0: long-term, so. right? So we're talking. Oh yeah. That.
1: Yeah. I mean, now we're, yeah, right. Right.
0: In the pandemic um, that, that created capacity that you're going to need long-term. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so. And I think there was just so much opportunity in that time. <laughs> like there's a lot of challenges, <laughs> but I also like all the clients I talk to, I'm like, but what are the opportunities? Like what are the things that maybe you've been thinking about doing what you haven't Mm -hmm. done yet? That really makes sense right now. And for the future, Yeah. you know, I always talk about like, we have a client that's coffee shop. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they couldn't do in person. Like they had to shut down their dining room. It was a whole thing. They got online ordering. Like the first thing he did was like, I have to figure out this online ordering thing. Right. Figured out online ordering. They're killing it right now. Their revenues went through the roof. Like they've, Now they're going to do, I don't think they can do a coffee truck now. Like they have some more opportunities right now because they took an opportunity. Like I would say like our favorite Mexican restaurant, you still have to call.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm like, that is a strategic decision that I don't understand, but it works for them for some reason Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they didn't adopt online ordering at some point during this whole thing. Yeah. You know, I was like, "There's a reason right. you guys haven't done this, and I don't know what it is. I'm trying to figure out yeah. why they haven't." But they built a food truck.
1: Yeah, right. That's one way. You know, it's, you know, changes and that's, just, you know, I mean, change is scary, like and inevitable, and inevitable. And mm-hmm. what's what's the worst worst line you can ever hear is, "Well, that's the way we've always done it."
0: Oh my god!
1: Yeah, you know? I'm always just like, and your point yeah. is what? Right. Right. We used to use (laughs) leeches too. Right. (laughs) Yeah. We used to, you know, do tax forms
0: by hand.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. So, but that's the, uh, is, so what I would also say too, is that that's Mm -hmm. where a lot of the positive psychology and the the Mm -hmm. resilience training has come in is because not only are we at capacity our clients are at capacity mm-hmm. and they have they come in pet is sick and it is one more, it is potentially the last stressor that they can they can handle okay, right. and so we there's a so there's a difference between accepting really nasty demeaning behavior from a client and somebody who initially is angry and it's like if they're angry if we can if we can learn to just like bob and we like give them that first one mm-hmm. and say and then go i i understand this is challenging like mm-hmm. this is and giving them giving them a chance like empathizing with them mm-hmm. i would say, i mean to put a number on it probably 90% of our clients you know when we te- we've empowered our technicians and we we've put a lot of time into training with that mm-hmm. That they see that as a win when they can mm-hmm. turn a, turn a client around, you know, the, that. that's upset like that. And that's, and again, client, you know, what did we say when we're at our best, what is, what is the mm-hmm. best thing client relationships? Mm-hmm. And, and that has, and that has been one of the things that has created a sustainable position for me is that mm-hmm. if I go, if, if, if a client's angry, mm-hmm. And I internalize that. And then I fire back at that client and I, you know, boom, boom, boom. And then, and then what do I do? I come out of the room. I bitch to the, you know, to the staff. I come home. I bitch to my wife about they're in my head all day long, miserable. Like that's all day long versus if I I mean, what, you know, I sidestep that first one, turn around and I'm, and I have the opposite experience that I'm of service to that client. Mm-hmm. And they are great. Like they've had a chance to kind of turn down and like
0: mm-hmm. d- I-
1: improve. Like it's, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So because yeah, you're it's modeling the moment. regulation. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. It, it is hard. Right. Um, yeah. It's hard, it's hard when we're all stressed. Like we have done is like my daughter's online for the next week. Like yeah. it right. blew up absolutely my entire week. Great. Right? Yeah. Um, thankfully we have family that help. But like mm-hmm. that doesn't change the fact that I have to make sure she got all her work done every day. And like, you know, right. like an online is so hard for her. Mm-hmm. You know, we were up at 10 o'clock last night and or nine o- eight o'clock last night and she's having a breakdown. I'm like, just trying to like do that, right? She's yeah. having she's having a breakdown. I'm like, I understand that you feel like this is hard. I understand that things are mm-hmm. hard right now. I understand this isn't the ideal situation, but we still need to get this stuff done. Mm-hmm. Take a breath. Yeah. I will sit here with you. You yeah. sit on my lap and we'll get it done. We'll work yeah. together to get it done. Um, that's a hard skill, especially when it everybody is. feels maxed, right? Yeah. Um, but it also gave her wit because she was able to finish the things she didn't understand and was like mm-hmm. felt very overwhelmed with. So she went yeah. into today with yesterday's stuff done. I was like, I don't care if it's late. I don't care. It's done. We can not worry about it now. Right. She went in today without this like. Stuff that's not done last yesterday, like without that weight, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um. So we can always like help people through our own resilience, right? But it's yeah. always hard to find your own resilience when everybody else doesn't have any. <laughs> yeah, and and, and <laughs> so know? that
1: was one of the things. What was funny is, well, it's not funny, but um, you know, like I we were talking about the burnout mm-hmm. um, survey and so this ProQOL it has it has compassion satisfaction, mm-hmm. compassion fatigue. And mm-hmm. burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I generally, like before the pandemic, I always, I was, you know, I always scored really, really low. I was very, very low risk burnout, very low mm-hmm. risk compassion fatigue, and very high compassion satisfaction. Mm-hmm. When I took that, I think I took it kind of around, it was probably around August of last year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was like, I am, you know, I'm feeling this. And I'm, and I was like, I, you know, take this, and I was like mid. I wasn't. I wasn't high risk burnout, but I went from almost, you know, mm-hmm. lowest risk to kind of mid the mid range and the higher of the mid range. And I was mm-hmm. like, whoa, because mm-hmm. like, and you know, I mean, like everybody else, like I could feel it. And I remember thinking here i am like i have all these tools and i am using the shit out of everything that i know mm-hmm. just to just to like if we're talking on a negative 10 to 10 continuum mm-hmm. where my life my well-being was maybe at like a 6 or a 7 generally speaking mm-hmm. i was doing everything i could to just maintain a 6 mm-hmm. um you know versus and anyhow,
0: yeah, I think, I think, I think that speaks to just the, st- the stress, right? Like yeah. those, you know, if the people who teach this stuff and like, you know, these are their tools for life, Have a, are mm-hmm. having a hard time, <laughs> you know, the rest of us who haven't learned this or you don't have this resilience, it's like, it's been so much harder for people. And, I, and yeah. like, I get that. So I love, I love how you're saying like, the biggest things are like, the biggest way out of like these challenges is you know, the processes, how do we create more processes and systems to create that mm-hmm. head but also how do we create those soft skills? And that's like really yeah. the big, the big thing. Yeah. Um, do you need to go? Uh, no. Okay, no, good. Not too, <clears throat> not too long. All right. Through. Um, so, hold on, I have to go through my steps, my, my questions, because we've been kind of all over the place.
1: Do you have two people with ADHD
0: having a deep? Yeah, I know it's always really fun. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I I was actually I was talking to my husband about this the other day. Um, Apparently, we all fight each other because I'm like looking Mm -hmm. at our like friend group and I'm like, and you, and you, and potentially you. When I'm looking around my family, Mm -hmm. like, uh huh. And then I married into a family with ADHD, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, and I'm just looking around like, but why do we do this? (laughs) Yeah you know, like we find out of our people, you know, through that, but it's yep. just, just like, maybe because we all relate on some,
1: I get, yeah. Well, my wife 100% doesn't. And I just, mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I know it's hard for you to understand. Yeah, it's, it's just, my right. brain just doesn't work. She's like, why? I don't understand. Why don't you just leave your keys in the same place every time? She's like, I don't get it. And I'm like, honey, I know you don't get it. Like, well,
0: that's okay. I just,
1: I don't get it. Just, it's just never going to happen. You know, like yeah, it was going to happen. Think, it was going to happen. You
0: know, I was diagnosed at 39. Yeah. Right. And I had all these processes and systems and we have, we do a lot of like, I have gotten myself to a point where I have a successful business with ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's, it was very, secure, you know, it's a different route because we like change things yeah. all the time and we want to do mm-hmm. things differently or, you know, we're like, I don't want that. I'm going to go do this. <laughs> right? Um, or I have all these, I have this whole list of like fabulous ideas. Who knows if I'll ever get to them. Um, but, you know, before I was diagnosed, I just thought I was broken or like, why doesn't mm-hmm. all the, these productivity tools and like all of these things I learned, why don't they work yeah. for me? How right. can I implement these things, you yeah. know? Um, and I've watched, you know, my husband also like, just like, you know, put everything in like us, you know, everybody's got to have a plan and, you know, like that's mm-hmm. how, that's kind of how we, you know, we cope with some of this stuff, like put our keys in the same exact place so we don't yeah. lose them. Right. But he's also that guy that's like every once in a while, I'm like, he's like, oh my God, it's my work key card. And I'm like, yeah, find it. Right. Right. But, like we just, we've, we just have all these mechanisms. Right. And so now I'm like mm-hmm. teaching my kids these mechanisms because I'm like kids, like this is how our brains work. Yeah. So we have to work with it in a way that mm-hmm. put, sets us up for success. But watch me try to get out the door right now, especially mid pandemic yeah. when my wallet's someplace, my purse is another place. Yeah. Keys are in one place because I don't ever go anywhere. I don't have to have yeah. system for that because I don't need to leave. <laughs> right. right. And then I have to leave. And I'm like, And then I don't have gas and like all things that happened pre-pandemic, but they seem to happen more now because I just, it's not something I ever have to deal with. Right. So creative processes and systems, but we always have those things that we can never find. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Yep. And like for me, it's usually my phone. Like, I'll just put it down somewhere random and my kids are like, here, mom, especially when I was a birth doula and I needed Mm -hmm. my phone on me 24 seven. My kids would hand me my, bring me my phone all the time. (laughs) Here, mom, just in case people go into labor you might need this
1: right right and if anybody's listening that has ADHD like the the gift that I impart is Mm -hmm. the tile those Mm -hmm. the finders that changed like that's I don't my wife and I's relationship is fantastic that Mm -hmm. was a really horrible point of contention is like I would go to leave for work and I was like damn it I uh, Carla I can't find my keys and she's like oh She's like, again, like, and, you know, it was just, and now I just, boop, I mean, mm-hmm. I still lose them, but I have the finder on it and it reverse finds my phone. Yes. And I just, all my, my friends that have it, I, that's mm-hmm. what I give them for
0: birthdays. Mm-hmm. Like that's it's awesome. just
1: our so house, great.
0: Our house is totally wired with the smart thing situation. So we can like turn yeah, yeah. things off and on. And like, oh, if you smart. lock the door, it turns off below yeah. the lights. Like, yeah. Because I'm right. walking through the house every day, turning off lights and like doing things, yeah. and like or the garage door is open, and like I'll get a warning. Yeah. And, like we've yeah. we've created a system, like the systems mm-hmm. for ourselves, you know right. that remind us. Um, my daughter's psychologist. We're just gonna go down a rabbit hole. Was like you okay. should get her this Livescribe pen that like so she can take you no know, while she's taking notes. It records what the teacher is saying. This thing is like hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, I'm like it's going to. You recommend you recommend this for kids with ADHD. It's going to literally be gone in two days, right? Right.
1: It's like I get where you're going with that. Yeah, <laughs> no, and I let do, me, I, let let me tell you how the, that's going to work. The
0: idea, but I'm not right. going through ton of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, right, right.
0: Is there so, another option? Here? Yeah, and then I'm like, oh, there's these all these little recorders. But like again, yeah, it would be gone in like two days. Yep. Like she would leave it somewhere.
1: Yeah, and we would and never. What is- Go ahead.
0: And we, just, we would never find it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm
1: just laughing. Oh, and then the, my wife telling me, like, going, please do this, this, and this. And then I was just, right, just leave me a checklist, my love.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: you leave me a checklist, I will. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I'm good. My
0: Yeah, my kids have learned if they want me to do something, they need to write it down on a sticky note. Yeah. And my kid, I have pictures of my kid, like, managing me. Mom, mm-hmm. you need to call these people. Or, like, you need to go here and order another one of these for me. Right. <laughs> or, right. like, whatever, you know, like, it's like yeah. you need a replacement. You have to put the warranty thing in, like, here's your sticky note. <laughs> mm-hmm. was like on the thing that has your name on right. it. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. They, they've realized if they want me to do something right. or if something needs to happen, they have to leave me a note. Yeah. Because yep. as soon as you ask me, I'm going to forget because my brain is full of all the things I need to yeah. be doing that are not your things. So, and go, so
1: going with positive psychology, I'll put mm-hmm. this that there, So there's a whole aspect that is, in it's not necessarily all positive psychology, but strengths-based mm-hmm. leadership, strengths-based mm-hmm. coaching, strengths-based. Mm-hmm. And so there are things that our brains do that, mm-hmm. you know, what, uh, neuro, was it neuro, I don't know, we're neurodivergent, I guess is the, yes. the term. Like, so normal, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and so I, really lean into the stuff Mm -hmm. that allows that to flourish and that and and instead of like oh why do I do this go oh Mm -hmm. it's just you know getting curious and like how like you said like where are the opportunities Mm -hmm. you know where where can I use that and so yeah
0: yeah and it's it's, it's... yeah, it's it's hard to have, let me just go down this whole rabbit hole, but it's hard to have <laughs> normal expectations for people who are neurodivergent, right? Mm-hmm. So like we just don't our brains don't work in the way that other people's, you know, work. You can't like right. giving us a linear checklist doesn't always that's actually something we might not do because yeah. we didn't create it. Right. <laughs> like yeah. uh, I seem to hire also neurodivergent people and I'm like, here's your checklist. Mm-hmm. Because this is how I organize my brain. Right. And they're like, mm, but that's kind of mm-hmm. yours. Like let's yeah. make my own. And I'm like, right. I, that's fine. I don't care. As long as stuff gets yeah. done. Right. Right. Uh, and being and being flexible in like how people's brains work. Um, mm-hmm. but also like for me, it's been like the recognizing of my superpowers. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of my superpowers is I'm constantly like interested. And something, yeah. or I'm learning yeah. something new, and I'm becoming a an expert in it. Like I just started knitting. Mm-hmm. This is one of my examples. Yeah. Started knitting during the pandemic, and every single project was literally like a jump up in like you know in yeah. in, in, in mastery. And my friends were like, one of my friends who who has been knitting for, she's like, how do you how did you you're doing cables? You've yeah. been doing this for like two <laughs> months. I'm like leveling up is one of my ADHD power, like superpowers. Like if it's something that's interesting to me, I'm just going to learn how to like, how to get better and better at it. Or I'm going to grab a project I've never done and like, think I'm be able to do it and then figure it out. Yeah. And that
1: was the thing. Like I, I would say to myself, well, maybe, maybe I don't like, how did I get through vet school? Like, how did I do well Mm -hmm. in school? Like, I was like, I don't, how is that possible? And then I, course what you're talking about like the mm-hmm. hyper focus is mm-hmm. the like that that's there and i was like oh like mm-hmm. when i'm in it because i love veterinary medicine. i mean i love it like i'm nerd out on it mm-hmm. and i could just read you know watch videos and read and do this and and you know really get into it and same thing i laugh my my wife i'll go and i'm like honey there. i swear this is the last certification that i'm gonna take and she just laughs and it's you know because yeah. i'm always yeah. like yeah. i'm always taking you know always Mm -hmm. doing something like that. And, and um, so it is that part of it is, Mm -hmm. you know, is something that is beneficial to to us, you know, yeah, we're not, we're,
0: we're just not happy, like just knowing what we know. Right. Like we want to learn, like, we'll find something that's interesting and we'll go down a rabbit hole. Like we were talking about Mm -hmm. COVID-19 before this, and I'm like, I, that's how I deal with this stuff you know Mm -hmm. stuff that i don't understand or i need more understanding of is i just start learning and i i love medical stuff which is part of the reason i love working with veterinarians um i love medical stuff i was a birth ruler like i grew up in human Mm -hmm. med like yeah I, i never took any medical stuff other than like understanding some births so i could support people but like it's always been super interesting to me i was diagnosing my my brother when i was like six i was like yeah mom it's this thing and she's like how do you how did you even know and my mom worked yeah. in a doctor's office at the time. Right, right? right. And I was like, he's got this. And she's like, how did you know? I was like, Oh, well I was in the nurse nurse's office and I was reading all the posters and he had mm-hmm. the symptoms and she's like, yeah, you're like six. <laughs> yeah. You know, that but was, it's just, it's just because I absorb this information because I find it interesting. Yeah.
1: So my father had a, he had a massive heart attack when I was, uh, how old was I? It was back. It was like 80. Mm-hmm. So I was like seven or eight, I think. Mm-hmm. And my dad's cardiac, he was in, like, he was in ICU for, Mm -hmm. for like a month. And my dad's cardiologist is just a, just a wonderful, wonderful human being. He gave me his, um, key card to the medical library. So this is back in like the, like the Mm -hmm. mid eighties or something like that. And I, I'm in the medical library with all these, maybe I was like 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. I can't remember, but I like, I grab the these two giant things on how to perform like uh, like heart transplant mm-hmm. medicine, and I'm like I'm like reading all this stuff, and I like Anna was kind of cocky too, and mm-hmm. I remember tell I like I go up to my dad's cardiologist, and I was like I think <laughs> it's like I think I think I could do a heart transplant now, but i but I might need the book, and he just <laughs> he thought that was the funniest thing. He goes. He goes. We all. He goes. Don't worry. We all. We, we all, all need.
0: need we all need. And now,
1: book. like I'm in, sur- like I'm in surgery, and like I'll have the book out. And I just laughed at myself. I'm like, we all, so we all need the book.
0: Okay. We all need the book
1: at some point.
0: I love. I love that he was just like, oh, this is interesting to you. I'll read about it. Yeah. You know, instead of like, yeah. oh, you're too young right. or whatever. And right. You know, I just, I think that speaks to like, especially if you have gifted, and a lot of gifted kids are also neuro- mm-hmm. neurodivergent. By the way, y'all, I'm learning yeah. this. <clears throat> Most of the gifted yep. kids are neurodivergent or smart AF. Our brains just work differently, right? And we're putting a lot of pressure on these kids due to be gifted. Which is, I like yeah. They were like, yeah, your daughter's gifted. And I was like, I know she is, but also can we not put that word? Um, It's just so much pressure, I feel like. But like just letting letting us learn is like mm-hmm. the best thing you could do your ADHD because if they find something they're interested in I mean this works for all kids too but finding something they're interesting in and just let us let us go down the rabbit hole let us find them let us get to the end of it because at some point we'll get over it (laughs) yeah (laughs) and we'll go on to something else I always say like I know enough about a lot of things to be dangerous yeah right a good friend of mine the other day I posted some ADHD meme and she was like can I tell you she's like She's like info jumping is one of my is one of my love languages. Can I tell you about nuclear right. reactors? Like some specific type of <laughs> nuclear reactor, right? She watched some movie about I think it was Hiroshima. Yeah. Um Chernobyl. and I was like oh, no. I Yeah, oh, no, maybe, was on, yeah, maybe it was, it, it was Chernobyl. Maybe. Um I don't yeah. know. I haven't gone down that rabbit hole yet. And I was like, Yeah, I don't know enough about that oh, subject so so to with be that. Doing this yet. Yeah.
1: That's right. <laughs> I was just i was thinking about myself watching that show at like yeah. like i got caught in it and then i'm like I'm the same thing like i'm like like all right, all right. sorry
0: anyway. all right okay Back on track and we'll, wrap, we'll wrap it up okay. i'm sure this I'm hopefully oh and now we have That's our fine. second friend
1: yeah he's he's the model he's genuinely the best dog that i've ever i know everybody says that but he's he's the best dog we've ever we've had. had a golden retriever sorry piper i love you piper but you get in the garbage and you eat poop. <laughs> That dog is.
0: That's good. the best dog. I don't think my a son is like. Because he's just. Yeah. He's a golden retriever. I was saying like, he like. Oh a golden yeah. Retriever. That's um, right. You are the embodiment of a golden retriever. Right. All right, Phil. Um, so what is the or um, what is the easiest way to find you?
1: Uh, so you can go to my website, which is flourishingphoenix.com. Um, the logo the is email. awesome. Thank you. I love, that. I love the it. logo. Um, or uh you can email me at drphil at flourishingphoenix.com. Awesome.
0: Um, so final question for you. What is the one thing a practice owner can do today to affect um to positively affect their practice and profession as a whole?
1: Mm. Make make well-being an intentional priority in the practice. Mm-hmm. If I, if, just find out how to do it. Um, set that intention that 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 is the that is the future of the profession.
0: I love and so, that and that creates a ripple effect not only within your practice mm-hmm. but within the profession as a whole because if you move towards if you move towards that, then other people won't move towards that. Yeah. And, you know and I think the other part is like talk about it, right?
1: <laughs> yeah Right. talk
0: about it. you know talk about how it affects your practice and you know you did mm-hmm. a lot of that today. like this is what we've done. And this is how it mm-hmm. works. And this is how it's affected, you know, our bottom line and you know how people feel and our retention. And we don't have to go try to find, you know, staff from nothing because <laughs> yeah. our staff is staying. Right? Yeah. I love mm-hmm. it. Thank you so much for your time cool. today. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you prefer to listen. If you learned something and found some useful information to apply to your business today, please consider giving us a thumbs up and a review. Until next week, be abundant.